What's up, guys? Welcome to the Inner Athlete Podcast. This is episode number six. And I'm actually very excited to talk about the topic today because I get so many questions about this. And it's obviously probably one of the primary goals of everybody who reaches out to me for nutrition coaching. Cheryl, I want to lose fat and build muscle. And usually I'll put on there, what is your main priority? Lose fat, build muscle or health or longevity. And I'll usually get a text message that says, what if I want to do both? Because at the end of the day, that's what we all want. We want to look leaner. We want to look fitter. We want to see abs. We want to see cuts in our arms and our legs. Um, And in order to do that, I think everybody has the right concept of we need to get rid of some of our body fat while increasing or maintaining our lean mass. So my topic today is body recomp, body recomposition. What is it? Is it, is it possible? How do we do it? What matters? All of that stuff. And hopefully this will help give you some insight into how to maybe make some modifications to your current nutrition or training program and hopefully help you get on the right path. If you are interested in getting any more information on nutrition coaching or even just getting some quick advice from me, please feel free to shoot me a DM, shoot me a message, shoot me an email, whatever it is. All of that information will be in my show notes as well. Would love to talk to you and connect and see if I can help. But let's go ahead and dive into it. So as I already mentioned, body recomp is essentially we're looking to simultaneously reduce our body fat while increasing our lean muscle tissue. So essentially, we're looking to change the contents of our body weight, not necessarily change our body weight. And this might not necessarily be true for you. Maybe you have a little bit more weight to lose, but hang in there. And I want to explain a little bit about how this also applies to you and how you are naturally doing body recomp without actually even thinking about it. So let's kind of get started a little bit just by talking about breaking down what exactly is body composition. Um, Because I think that there's two things that can get kind of like confusing to people. One of them is body fat percentage versus BMI. So your body fat percentage is the amount of your body weight that is fat mass comparative to fat-free mass. So your body is made up of muscle, bone, skin, organs, along with any food you've ingested, water you've taken in, um, skin, hair, nails, all of that stuff, right? We've got all of these things in our body. We've also got body fat. We've got fat cells. So your body fat percentage is that fat-free mass is all of those other things. And then the fat mass is the other thing. So what you're looking at when you're looking at a body fat test is like a percentage. So it might say 17%. I'm going to give you an example of a female. Okay. So if I have a female who weighs 145 pounds, and her fat-free mass is 120 pounds, that means that she's got 25 pounds of body fat because 145 minus 120 is 25 pounds. To get her body fat percentage, we would simply divide 25 pounds of her, which is her body fat, by her overall total weight. And that tells us what percentage of her total weight is body fat. Now I'm going to give you that same weight number, 145 pounds, because I know you're all stuck on the number. Okay. Another 145 pound female, pound female, pound female with only a hundred pounds of mass comparative to the 120 pounds in the other is going to have 45 pounds of body fat. So even though they weigh exactly the same, one has 25 pounds of body fat. The other has 45 pounds of body fat. So if I take that 45 pounds and I divide that by 100, 
now I've got 31% body fat. So you can see, even though those two women weigh exactly the same, one has 17% body fat and the other has 31% body fat. And I will tell you that on a physical appearance, they are going to look extremely different, even though the scale is the same. So maybe this isn't the topic of the day, but just to understand that the scale isn't always a true telltale sign of your body composition and your results. And this might be familiar to those of you guys who have maybe started training. Um, maybe it's something like CrossFit or Orange Theory. Maybe that first month you started losing weight and then all of a sudden it kind of slowed down, but you still feel like you're seeing changes in the way your clothes fit and stuff like that. That's essentially your body is now recomping. You are building some muscle, losing some fat. Your weight is staying about the same. Now, the other one I talked about is the BMI, the body mass index. And this was actually an old school thing that they, you know, they use obviously to make sure that we were staying within our growth um, as kids and stuff like that. And it's actually very inaccurate, but it can be very, very, very triggering in terms of like negative thoughts about how we feel and how we look, because all it does is it takes um, your age and your, I'm sorry, your height, your wage and your current age. And it kind of gives you an idea of what your health is in terms of like healthy or not healthy based on your weight. And you know, it used to be that if your BMI was over a certain number, you were considered overweight or obese. Now, if I put my my calculations into a BMI calculator, it will usually tell me that I'm borderline overweight. But that's because the BMI does not have any idea, doesn't take any consideration to my muscle mass or my fat-free mass. It's literally just looking at height and weight. So those 245-pound females with very different body fat percentages could have the exact same BMI. And you can see that health-wise, they might not necessarily be as healthy um, as they should be because I believe that body fat is a better indicator of overall health. Um, not that you want to think, because obviously being too lean is also not healthy, but it's a better indicator of where you should be putting your focus. Hopefully that gives you guys a little bit of an understanding of the difference between those two things. Body fat percentage will always, um, I feel like, be king over the BMI. You know, the other thing to kind of, you know, go off into a little bit of a tangent is that a lot of the body fat tests that are out there are not very accurate, you know, so it's better off to use them as like a range. If I was going to tell you the most accurate way to get your body fat tested, it would definitely be a DEXA scan, um, which is um, probably the most expensive as well. The other thing that I really think is, is a good telltale of body fat percentage is if you have a skilled practitioner to take measurements, caliper measurements, skin fold caliper measurements, because if they're skilled and they're doing it properly, it's very hard to get manipulations in your calculations. And even if they're off by a millimeter, it's it's not going to make that big of a difference in your body fat percentage that they're going to they're going to point out to you. However, the only thing I will say about that is if you're over 30% body fat, it becomes a lot more hard to get accuracy on your pinches. Um that would be, be the only thing that I would say about the body fat percentage via skin caliper, skin caliper measurements. There's a bunch of other ways, um, hydrostatic weighing and all that kinds of stuff. And the problem with a lot of the other modalities, the other ways that they actually measure body fat percentage is a lot of them are done by either electric impedance or um, water displacement in your body. So if you're more hydrated or less hydrated, if you've got more food volume or less food volume in your belly, all of those things can kind of affect it. Um, so what I normally will tell my clients who maybe have like a scale at home that they use is if they want to go by that measure and we're comparing apples to apples, that's great. But what I would like to have them do is actually measure it, 
seven days in a row uh, at the same time of day, preferably like in the same, what is the same environment. So um, meaning maybe similar meals day to day, uh, making sure they use the bathroom first thing in the morning and then do it because now at least I can take the average of those seven days and I can do the exact same test again um, in like six to eight weeks. So it gives us more controlled study. So little tangent, but an important one. So, but let's talk more about the aesthetic part of it, right? Um, is it possible to build muscle and burn fat at the same time? And as I mentioned before, those of you guys that are newer to your fat loss journey and maybe you have a considerable amount of weight to lose, I want you to stay chimed in because you're probably already doing this. Um, but before we go into that, let's kind of talk about why it can be misunderstood and can sometimes be confusing. To lose body fat, we need to create a calorie deficit because to burn fat, we have to be taking in less calories than we're needing. Otherwise, we're going to be storing. So in order to do that, we have a couple of ways we can lo lose fat. We're going to create a calorie deficit by decreasing the amount of the calories we're eating or increasing our um, non-exercise activity, making sure that our bodies are metabolically um, burning more calories, even just at rest. We can also create a little bit more of a calorie deficit by our training, but it should mostly come from our diet and our daily activities and also our, like I said, our, our metabolism. So making sure that we're um, living a lifestyle, eating and training in a way that's going to produce us to optimize our body's metabolic burn. Now to build muscle, it is best to be in a calorie surplus because muscle tissue is growth. In order to make something grow, you got to water it, right? So it's the same thing with your muscle tissue. We should be eating to re recover and repair that muscle. Um, so hopefully we're eating at calorie, um, calorie maintenance and at times even calorie surplus. Those people with the sole goal of building muscle are not going to be so worried about overeating. They're, they're going to be fueling that muscle growth, and they're probably not going to have as much of a focus on the scale and more so of a focus on making sure that they're creating a primary, the primary environment for muscle building. So that's where it gets a little bit confusing, right? Because if you're trying to burn fat, but you also want to build muscle, you can't create a calorie deficit and a calorie surplus at the exact same time. But there are things you can do to do that. And I'm going to talk more about those beginners versus the intermediate and advanced. But to start off, you have to look at your fitness journey more than just the day-to-day -day and the week-to-week. -week. Now, in an optimal world, I don't believe in the bulk and then cut phase. It's just not my lifestyle. But there are a lot of people in the sport of um, in, in their sport, whether it's bodybuilding or a figure show, they might do that naturally. Or even if it's even a strength athlete who... Um, for his actual competition season needs to be leaner, but he needs to be strong. So he might spend his off season eating more and fo focusing on strength and then cut a little bit before going into season. That's also another, another piece of it. But in my, in my world and CrossFit as a competitor, and also for those of you guys just looking for body composition changes, you don't have to sway so far in each direction because we can actually create those little calorie deficits and calorie surpluses in more of like a week to week fashion or a month to month fashion, we can keep accountability and assessments along the way to know when it's time to do one or the other, you know? So in, in fact, in, in reality, this has been my process this year is I've been wanting to build some muscle, get stronger, but I did not want to put on a, a bunch of unnecessary body fat for, you know, for the sport of CrossFit, there's a level of leanness that you need, obviously, to be able to do the things that we do um, in the gymnastics world or the endurance world. But we also need to be strong 
So I didn't want to put on so much body fat that I was now going to feel sluggish and heavy in my gymnastics and my aerobic training. But I also needed to make sure that I was still prioritizing building muscle to get stronger. So that's from a performance goal. For you guys in the aesthetic world, it can be the same. Nobody wants to pack on 10 pounds of body fat and hate the way they look just for the sake of cutting it again. So I really believe, and this is opinion in more of a moderate approach to both both areas, which is a little bit longer, a little bit slower of a road, but I think it gravitates towards people that just want to be able to be happy in their day-to-day without so much focus on, you know, either being miserable or being super, super happy at one point in their life. So, you know, life really is always changing. And that's kind of what I want for all of my clients. All of my clients will be recomping their body, right? Because that's what we're doing. We're building muscle, we're burning fat. Um, So that's what I wanted to kind of make sure that I kind of explained a little bit of is that there is a way to do both. So what I mean by the day-to-day versus the week-to-week is let's just say you're spending two to four weeks in a calorie deficit and your training is still feeling really good up until week four. And all of a sudden you're starting to feel like you're just not performing as well as you could be. That's usually when it's like, all right, let's shift from the deficit into a little bit of a calorie maintenance slash surplus stage. So now maybe you're spending two to four weeks kind of in that build phase, maybe even a little bit longer, maybe at six to eight weeks, you find that weight slowly creeping up. Maybe you gain two or three pounds in that process and then you stay there. And now you're not trying to gain any more tissue. Now maybe you're just bringing calories down a little bit to allow you to be at maintenance or slightly below on some days. And you're able to start cutting fat again while hopefully keeping your training volume up to support more muscle growth or at least muscle maintenance. So that's what I mean by that. It's not just the day-to-day. It's actually looking at week-to-week and month-to-month. As you already heard me say, how you feel. So we're really looking for biofeedback, not just from the physiological aspect of like how you're feeling in um, your body in terms of energy and focus and hunger, but also mentally how you feel. Are you getting uncomfortable in your clothes because you're gaining too much weight and not liking the way you look, take a little break. Don't put that unnecessary stress. Like I got to put all this weight on now. Like take a little break, take it down, you know, vice versa. You know, if you're really liking the way you look and you're cut and you're feeling pretty good and, and you know, you want to get a little bit stronger, but you want to coast there for a week or two. That's also okay. You know, there's no rush to the finish line because body recomposition takes time. So as I already mentioned, those of you guys that are newer to training actually have a little bit of an advantage in this because the nuance world of training is awesome because you walk into the gym and every day you PR, you've never bench pressed before. So what started off as a heavy, you know, set of 10 at 15 pounds is now a heavy set of 10 at 35 pounds in a very short amount of time. So in the beginning of your journey, Um, It's easy to build muscle and burn fat at the same time because as you walk into the gym and you start training your muscles, your muscles are adapting. As you're training in the gym, you're also creating more of an energy expenditure. So you're probably burning more calories because you weren't doing that before. So in the beginning, you're going to see that quick change. You're going to start to see changes in your body composition. It is going to slow down as your body adapts to the volume to the difference in your activity levels, it's all going to happen. It's part of the process. 
it's not wrong. It's not right. It just is. So you can't really do anything to stop it or change it other than making sure that you're burying your stuff a little bit. But in reality, it's part of the process. And really all we're doing is trying to prevent the adaptations from having too much happening too fast. All right. So now let's kind of talk specifics to like who you are and what you actually need to be focusing on. So, and I'm going to keep this kind of like grouped into three, three, three different people, because I feel like maybe there's some that are kind of like overlapping, but I feel like it's pretty good to kind of give you guys a place to start. So let's just say you're somebody that has 30, 50, 100 pounds to lose. What should you be primarily focusing on? At that point, your main focus should be really be creating new habits, creating new structure in your life. And the other things should kind of fall into place. So what I mean by that is you don't need to stress so much about what training program you're on, as long as it's a well-balanced training program that you can stick to. If it's three days a week, if it's five days a week, if it's six days a week, heck, maybe it's not even going to the gym yet. Maybe it's just getting yourself out on a walk or a bike ride daily, but you're starting to set yourself up for the future of like, this is my time blocks for when I'm going to be training. And you just want to be consistent with it. I do recommend everybody starting some form of a strength training program if you are healthy enough to do so. Um, you know, so that is something that I would consider. Even if you know you don't have to right away, I think it's very important to start to build that habit in because you're going to need to at some point, in my opinion, to be overall healthy and well in life. So, but at that point, your main goal is fat loss. So your main goal is if you're not moving enough throughout the day, we've got to start increasing non-exercise activity. If you're eating like crap, we've got to start dialing in good habits. And in reality, when it comes to, you know, what your nutrition should look like at that point, it really should be how much protein am I getting in? What is my overall calorie intake? What does the quality of my food look like? Those three things are your primary focus. Are you understanding what your body needs to thrive versus what your body needs when it's having a craving? You know, so that's that's kind of the primary focus of, of that school of thought. It doesn't mean that you don't have to get more dialed than it later on, but right now you don't need to add to your plate. You need to just focus on those, those little things. So training consistency, nutrition consistency is really the two big things. After that, you're cutting your weight down, you're you're past that nuance phase, you're regular in the gym, you're, you know, you've got the protein worked out, you're staying pretty close to your calories, your quality's good, and you've got, you know, somewhere in that like less than 30 pounds, 20 pounds, 15 pounds to lose. Here's where you want to make sure that your training is pretty dialed in. You have a system, you have a program you follow, even if you are following like a CrossFit or, you know, whatever kind of a, a group program you might follow, um, that it is in line with your goals. And I'm going to speak more about that in a little bit because it really is something that I'm super passionate about. Um, but your training should be focused towards, I need to make sure that I'm getting in strength training. It also means that your effort in your training needs to be there. So if you're going to the gym and you're lifting weights and you're never taxing your muscles, you're not going to be getting the stimulus that you need. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that coming up too. This is also where macros, macronutrients, which if you didn't listen to my last podcast, I talk about that, um, will have a little bit more of an emphasis, but a little bit more flexibility than the next case. 
you know, you want to start kind of making sure that your meals are balanced, that you're getting enough carbohydrates to support your training, um, not getting in too much fat. So you kind of get an idea for what your body needs to cut down on or add in to prioritize performing well in the gym, but also still seeing weight loss gains or weight loss results. And then the last one, which is you've got like 15, 12, 10 pounds or less to lose, or maybe you're exactly where you want to be with your body weight, but you just want to see more definition. This is where everything matters. Your training should be progressive. You should have a structured program. You should be feeling the adaptations of that. Your nutrition should be dialed in. You should be able to hit your macronutrients. You should be able to do all of those things because that's when it matters the most. Now, I'm not going to say that there's not outliers out there that are like genetic freaks, or maybe they just have a very natural ability to kind of tell, tell themselves what their body needs that can't see the results that they want from doing that. But for the most people, the, the most normies out there, we need to be dialed in at this point. So that's so important for you guys to understand because I think most people think that when it's only a few pounds, it's easy and it's actually a lot more work. Now, I kind of already mentioned that I want to talk a little bit about um, the training stuff because I think that's something that matters first, matters most is that your training for this type of a goal of the body recomp does really matter. And this is going to go from the very beginner to that person that's got like 20 to 40 pounds, or I'm sorry, 10 to 20 pounds loose, all the way down to that person with like 10 pounds or less to lose. Because your training program to be effective in your goals of building some muscle, losing some fat, should still be consistent and congruent across the board. Number one, you've got to make sure that you're hitting some compound movements. So that's your functional movements. That's your squats, your deadlifts, your presses. If you're into the CrossFit or Olympic lifting world, maybe it's clean and jerk and snatch. Maybe that's what you like to do, but you should be doing full body movements that are causing more than just like, um, like a direct, like what's the word I'm looking for? Um, isolated response, but like a more overall response. So that's going to also help things like anabolic growth and things like that. That's going to also stimulate hormone health. We need compound movements as part of our training program to be healthy, but also to see faster results. The other thing is volume. And I'm going to put volume into a couple of categories. I guess I should call it intensity. Look, we'll call it intensity. Intensity by volume, so increasing reps or sets, but also intensity by weight. So are we progressive, pro progressing on one or both of those things? We need to be seeing that over time. Your muscles need to be worked in order to grow. We have to break them down so that they can grow. Our bodies need stress to create adaptation. So we do need to have some level of breakdown, some level of, oh my gosh, this is really hard. This is really taxing in order for our body to adapt to it. And that's not just a muscular adaptation. It's also a neurological adaptation that allows our body to grow muscle. We need both of those things. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, and this is very very, very, very controversial, right? Is what kind of training do we need for fat loss? Everybody knows cardio, 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 cardio. We do need cardio. And I will talk more about myself as an athlete and what I believe in. And, you know, my, my method for all of these things here is 
when it comes to cardio, you've got a couple of options. You know, I can get into the geekiness of like, you know, different types of intervals, long, slow, yada, yada, yada. But here's what I want you guys to understand. You've got your high intensity cardio, and that's going to be your things like your CrossFit Metcons, your Orange Theory, your F45, you know, whatever that kinds of stuff that you're doing. You've got that kind of cardio. Those things are usually going to be quicker. So for those of you guys that live a, a really busy life, you don't have time to go walk for 60 to 90 minutes a day, which we'll talk about why that's important. Um, but if that's if that's your lifestyle, getting in that quick and dirty 30-minute workout is probably beneficial for you. If it plays to your personality, you like it, it's beneficial for you. Somebody like me who's looking to maximize my output and see what I'm capable of, I really thrive um, doing interval training and stuff like that. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you can do the longer, slower stuff. That's the walking, that's the long biking, that's, you know, kayaking and, and all that kinds of stuff. That's a lot lower output. But when it comes to fat loss, I'm going to kind of re re rephrase that. We've got the high intensity, higher output, lower intensity, lower output. The time requirements from both of those are very different. We need a lot more of the lower output than we do of the higher output. And I think this is where a lot of people go wrong is that when they're so motivated to lose fat or get fitter, they do way too much of the high output stuff. There's only a limit. There's a limitation on what your body can handle physically and mentally. So if you're constantly burning the candle at high output stuff, you're going to start to get diluted. So, you know, in reality, you kind of want a blend of the two. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to argue that a lot of our lower output stuff should actually be built into our day. You know, whether it's going for a walk, you know, 10 minutes after breakfast, lunch, and dinner, there's 30 minutes there. You know, maybe it is you like to, you know, for me, um, you know, like once a week, I like to just kind of zone out and I'll get on a bike and, you know, put a podcast on or an audio book. And it's just a really good way for me to focus on something and, and I'll stop and take some notes, but it just kind of keeps me present. So it becomes a mental break for me as well. But they both they both can work. There's not a right or a wrong there. It, it just has to play to what you like and what you can fit into your day. So, God, that was a lot to go over. Um, but I want to talk to you guys a little bit now as we segue towards the end of this is my strategy, my lifestyle, and kind of how I feel like what I do works really well for most people's goals and why. Guys, I'm an athlete. I will always be an athlete. Um, and, you know, if I think back to when I first started CrossFit, that's what that's what drew me to it. And what I've always felt deep in my heart is that my body is the reflection of my fitness. What people see is what I do in the gym. What I do in the gym, people don't see. And what I do in the gym isn't to change what people see. What I do in the gym is to change what I'm capable of. And I say that because I think that a lot of people look at athletes and they want to look like them, but they don't train like them and they don't eat like them. And as somebody who wants optimal body composition, I want to look good. I want to perform well, but I also want to like how I look. I prioritize walking that fine line of calorie balance and I make sure I'm feeding myself enough energy to support my training. But my training is geared towards my performance, not necessarily towards my aesthetics. 
Now, what I will say is what's cool about it is that most performance-based movements are also extremely good for aesthetics. Some of the performance-based movements in CrossFit are not necessary for aesthetics. So for those of you guys that do enjoy the high-intensity stuff, but find that you're constantly injured by, you know, things like snatches or toes to bar or muscle ups and, and you're like burned out from trying to do all that stuff and stay healthy. Maybe it's not cutting out the methodology or the mindset. Maybe it's changing the movement patterns to create a blend of aesthetics and high intensity. And so with my clients, because I do full heartedly believe that the best athletes, not necessarily the best athletes, because I will say that some of them go a little bit too far in the, in the direction of walking the fine line of actually getting themselves sick again, is that, you know, you know, a high level of output, a high, a high performer, you know, can perform well and look good at the same time, as long as they're being smart. And so with my, with my clients, my main focus for all of them is, having them on a structured training program that they're seeing progressive training, pro, training um, adaptation. So they're increasing weight, they're increasing reps. They're doing some mixed modal CrossFit type stuff. They're doing some intervals. They're doing some run, bike, row. They're doing some burpees here and there. They're, they're doing some squats. They're doing those movements under a, a time domain or, you know, something that's not super taxing. You know, I, I build in intervals, I build in rest, but they're getting that response. And then the other thing I look at is their lifestyle. You know, if they're sitting at the desk all day, I want them moving. I want them walking. I want them, you know, tell me how many steps you're getting a day because all of that stuff matters. But at the end of the day, all of my clients train like athletes. I call them all my athletes because they are, you know, and so like I said, I shouldn't have said the best athletes in the world because I do understand that being being at the top level of your sport, of your sport does require some sacrifice in body composition, does require some sacrifice, you know, in listening to your body and all of that stuff. And I don't want that for my athletes, but I want them to train with the mindset of like, when I go to the gym, I'm really trying to push myself. And I trust that my program is doing that for me. So that was a little bit of my talk about that because I felt very passionate and pulled to talk a little bit about that. So whatever category you might be in, whether it's you've got that over 20 pounds lose, whether it's you're in that 10 to 20 range or you're under 10, here's the key points I want you to take away from this. Number one, training matters. Anybody wanting body recomposition needs to be following some kind of a structured training program. And that structured training program should be not about burning calories. It should be about building strength and building muscle. You're going to burn your calories throughout your day, throughout what you're doing, all of that kind of stuff. Number two, nutrition matters. And the closer you are to your goal weight, the more it's going to matter in terms of how dialed in you have to be. So if you are in that realm, realm of like, 10 pounds or less to lose, or you're at goal weight and you're not prioritizing dialing things in, that would be the first thing that I would say to do. So those are the two things that I wanted to give you guys to kind of go over in terms of body recomposition, body composition, 
Hopefully that shed some light onto that topic for you. If you guys have more questions about it or you wanted to speak with me, as I already mentioned, please feel free to reach out and I look forward to hearing from you.